Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar and sucker for that whole sexual heat thing, Noelle LaCroix. And I'm story expert and meek little girly girl, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Phases, the 15th episode of season two. Phases aired on January 27th, 1998, and was written by Dream Team Rob Des Hotel and Dean Batali and directed by Bruce Seth Green. A warning before we begin, every episode of Still Pretty talks about each episode within the greater context of all of Buffy and as such is fully spoiled. So we can all have ourselves a good cry after we bag us a werewolf. All right, let's go on patrol. In phases, Willow and Oz have started seeing each other, but it's going a little too slowly for Willow. I think it's nice if he's not just being an animal. It is nice. He's great. We have a lot of fun. But I want smoochies. As Xander and Cordelia make out in her daddy's car under the romantic light of a full moon, they're attacked by a werewolf. During gym class, we discover that resident Sunnydale asshole Larry has recently been bitten by a dog, and Oz commiserates saying he'd recently been bitten by his little cousin, Jordy. Giles goes into research mode, and they hit on a plan. No matter who this werewolf is, it, it's still a human being who may be completely unaware of his or her condition. So tonight we bring him back alive. While out looking for the werewolf, Giles and Buffy come across a werewolf hunter named Kane, who is basically misogyny wrapped up in a warm patriarchy jacket and sporting a toxic masculinity necklace made of werewolf teeth strung on a black cord of douchebag. I tore a tooth from the mouth of every werewolf that I killed. This next one will bring the total to an even dozen. He tells Buffy and Giles that werewolves are attracted to sexual energy, so they head off to the bronze. Cordy and Willow are there commiserating about boys when the place is attacked by a werewolf. As everyone runs out, Buffy goes in and tries to capture the werewolf, but it gets away. Kane shows up and confronts Buffy, scoffing at her for being concerned about the werewolf's safety. First they tell me I can't hunt an elephant for its ivory. I've got to deal with people for the ethical treatment of werewolves. In the alley outside the bronze, Angelus has left one of Buffy's classmates bitten on the ground. But when the werewolf challenges him for the girl, he backs away. As night turns today with no sign of the werewolf, Buffy and Giles give up on the hunt. The sun rises on a sleeping werewolf that turns into Oz as he wakes up naked on the ground, confused. Turns out his little cousin Jordy is a werewolf, and now so is he. He arrives for a Scooby meeting in the library and gets some disturbing news. Is everybody okay? Did anybody get bitten or, or scratched? No, we're fine. Gladness. Yeah, but I got someone. Teresa. God, as in... Oh, I'm sorry. Oz is distracted and blows Willow off before running out. Buffy suggests that Willow be direct with him, maybe do something bold to get his attention. Buffy has a realization about Teresa, and she and Xander go to the funeral home to confirm how she was killed. Buffy feels guilty for failing to protect Teresa, and as Xander reminds her of all the people she saved, Teresa wakes as a vampire and attacks, giving Buffy a message. Angel sends his love. Xander dusts Teresa, and he comforts Buffy for a moment before they leave. That night, Oz is setting up cuffs and chains to keep him from leaving the house when he turns, but Willow shows up ready to have it out. 
She confronts him about his mixed signals. Willow, this is not a very good time. I mean, what am I supposed to think? First, you buy me popcorn, and then you're all glad that I didn't get bit. And you put the tag back in my shirt. But I guess none of that means anything, because instead of looking up names with me, here you are, all alone in your house, doing nothing by yourself. In the middle of Willow's rant, Oz changes into a werewolf and attacks. Willow runs outside and he chases after her, just as Kane arrives with a gun full of silver bullets and a yen to get that last werewolf tooth. Buffy meets Giles in the library as Willow runs in and tells them the werewolf is Oz, and they run out with a tranquilizer gun to get him. Buffy and Oz fight, and Willow shoots him. Kane shows up with his shotgun, and Buffy bends it and hands it back, telling him to get out of town. The next day at school, Willow finds Oz, and they decide to stay together. She kisses him and runs off, and he watches her go, smiling. A werewolf in love. Right, so Noelle, phases. We got ourselves a werewolf story. What'd you think? It's a werewolf story. I love werewolf stories just in general. And this episode is so delightful to me in so many ways. Um, but I'm not really sure what it's trying to say about toxic masculinity. We've- yeah, I'm not really sure about that. We do get this line from Buffy when Willow is complaining that, you know, she wants Oz to make a move and Oz isn't making a move. And Buffy says, well, it's a good thing he's not an animal, you know, or yeah. I like that he's not being an animal, which, of course, brings us back to this kind of line drawn between, you know, like animalistic behavior and just men. And we have a lot of that, you know, in here where we just are talking about how awful men are. I mean, most of phases is basically just men are the worst men are the worst yeah men are the worst and yeah. it's it's seriously one or the other like either mm-hmm. he's oz and totally apparently checked out and not you know really picking up on the anvils that willow is dropping sure. that she is ready <laughs> to seize the day yeah let's go let's get in there and get some of that she it's we've either got oz or on the other side, he's a total animal, um, you know, just toxic masculinity incarnate. There's no nice middle ground of like, <laughs> you know, like assertive, but with a kind of, I don't know, respect for consent or boundaries yeah. or anything. Like there's mm-hmm. no, it's you are either one or the other. Um, well, right. And we have this character of Larry. Now, Larry, I find really interesting um, because he is disgusting, like throughout. We've seen him a little bit before, not too much. Um, and now in this episode, he is just a full on pig. He's terrible. He knocks the girl's books over. And then when she bends over, he says, oh, thank God for thigh master or whatever. And it's just it's terrible. He is horrible. In the gym scene, you know, he says terrible gross things to the girl Teresa and then Buffy of course he actually assaults her you know grabs her ass and pushes his groin up against her backside and she of course lays him out you know um but we have all of that from him and then we have this turn with him in the middle when you know Xander goes to him thinking he's going to get a confession that this guy is a werewolf even though we have kind of made it textual that the werewolf may not even know they're a werewolf at this mm-hmm. point, that they can be unaware of it. Um, and so he has that whole thing with Larry. Larry, of course, comes out as gay, 
you know, instead of being a werewolf. And it creates this whole, you know, weird gay panic thing with Xander that we'll talk about in a little bit. But then all of a sudden, Larry is suddenly like just the sweetest guy. Like he's so kind and he just like completely turns around. Mm-hmm. And we see him at the end sort of bookending that um, that behavior of knocking the girl's books down so you can watch her bend over. One of the other boys does that and he just bends over and picks up the books for her, hands it back and just leaves her alone, you know? Um, and so it's kind of interesting because I think that what we're trying to say is that, you know, being honest about who you are, um, you know, and not trying to present yourself as this toxic thing in order to, you know, preserve his reputation is his slot on the football team or whatever you know it is that he's talking about in the in the um locker room scene with Xander mm-hmm. um the, that somehow that turns him into a decent human being but any straight man of course cannot help but be animalistic and misogynistic just by nature and I feel like that's a weird kind of message like I think what they're trying to say is that beyond being honest with himself is what made him a better person but you know, the fact is that it's it's allowing himself to not be straight, you know, that makes him a better person. And I think that when we send this message that men are just trash and that they're, they're just that way and, you know, and it's just their nature, um, that that's kind of a destructive idea, too. Absolutely. I have a lot of feelings about yes. Larry's this this subplot with Larry. Um I mean, Larry has been disgusting. Like, in the past, yeah. the Larry that we have seen has just been disgusting. But they definitely went out of their way to make him extra disgusting in this episode. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just, I mean, he really is just the worst. Yeah. And what I find fascinating about that scene in the locker room with Larry and Xander is that it starts off with Larry looking at himself in the mirror and he's washing Mm -hmm. his face and then he dries his face with his towel and sort of covers his face up as he's walking out into the main locker room area and then so he doesn't see Xander when Xander's there and I like this as a little indication that he knows his true identity and is hiding from himself yeah Uh uh-huh but and I I mean I get goosebumps when Larry says he's gay, when he says I'm gay and we see it register on his face Mm -hmm. that he has never said this out loud before to anyone, that he's barely acknowledged it to himself. I mean, there's a wonderful moment that unfortunately we lose because they make the decision to cut away and show Xander's reaction. But there's this wonderful look that crosses his face when it's like, he hears himself say it out loud and it registers that he said it out loud and it feels okay. Mm -hmm. I get goosebumps in that moment. But instead of making it about that realization for Larry, we make it about Xander's, like, I don't think it's his discomfort with Larry being gay. I think it's Mm -hmm. his realization that he has just said he they've been having two separate conversations yes they've had this misunderstanding and xander has suggested that he is also gay and he's uncomfortable with with that idea for himself but i don't think i actually really like that xander doesn't seem to be uncomfortable with larry being gay the discomfort is much more 
oh, we're having a different conversation <laughs> right, than, than I thought. thought we were having. Right. And I need mm-hmm. to do some serious backpedaling now because I'm not, you know, I'm not as knowledgeable in this conversation as I thought I was. Um, but I have, I mean, and I don't know if this is if this is just coming from my personal experience of never being expected to perform masculinity. Mm-hmm. I don't love the pairing of this really misogynistic, like like over the top, yeah. you know, gross masculinity with Larry's internalized homophobia. I mean, I I definitely co-sign the message that when people don't feel good about themselves, they are shitty to other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and I love like I love the relief that we see him experience when he has yeah. said to Xander, "I'm gay," and he says mm-hmm. it a couple of times. And then he's so sweet at the end and he doesn't like he comes up to Xander and thanks him and it's very genuine. Yeah. He's yeah. not being weird and creepy at all. And he's not doing the thing that I would expect um, to have happen, which is, oh, I'm gay. You're gay. We should hook up. Right. Which is yes. not which which is not to say that all gay people are attracted to all gay people. But as somebody mm-hmm. who was out in high school where there were not a lot of people were out, if mm-hmm. you were queer and someone else was queer, there was definitely that like, Oh, maybe we should be queer together. Right. You're queer. Um, I'm queer. Let's be queer together. Let's be queer together. You know, and there's not, they don't do that moment, mm-hmm. um, which, which I think is really great. Yeah. But I still like, there's something, something to me. And again, I'm coming from a really different position here. Something rings false for me about the guy who is, who has so internalized his homophobia that he turns it into, misogyny that he feels like the yeah. only way that he can have any um power or status is by just being the most piggish you know male right. chauvinist pig that he can be i don't yeah. I, I don't love that and it does it does say something problematic i think about heterosexual men and mm-hmm what it means to be like masculine like what it means to be a man yeah Um, well it is and it's very performative masculinity you know it is this idea and it's not performative just masculinity because there's nothing really masculine I mean I think in reality about being a misogynistic predatory butthole you know (laughs) um but I think that it's this performative straightness you know this like look at how much I like girls you know like that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. I also feel like we are telling this story about Larry not to talk about straight and gay and all that kind of stuff but just so we can have that really really funny misunderstanding with Xander in the locker room you know yeah it's it's being set up to play as a joke but yet we have this you know wonderful transformation of Larry you know who is no longer feeling the need to behave like that and so then he becomes a decent person 
you know, mm-hmm. that deep down inside, he was always a sweetheart, you know. Yeah. Um, but it is it does feel like um, like it was really put in for the joke. And that's not something they're really interested in talking about or examining. And uh, and I think you have a very generous reading of Xander in that in that scene, because <laughs> I really read him as being like as coming off with gay panic. We have the moment from him in the beginning where he's making out with Cordelia, but he's talking about Oz mm-hmm. and he's like, he's a senior. He's attractive. He plays in a band okay maybe he's not attractive to me but you know yeah um like we have to make that statement like i'm straight let's not forget that while i talk about the attractiveness of other men as though it is impossible for a straight person to recognize the beauty of someone in their own sex without it being you know indicative of some kind of like deep inner desire you know um so i mean there's a lot of stuff in there that i think happens accidentally yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and I I love Larry at the end. I love that we see a transition in Larry, but thematically, I'm not sure that we're really like hitting all of our points well. And I think that's because it wasn't really intended deliberately. A lot of it. There's this weird, not quite parallelism with the werewolf story mm-hmm. of Oz. You know, Oz is this sweet guy and he's not an animal, you know, mm-hmm. as Buffy says, which is wonderful foreshadowing. I just love that yes. so much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's not he's not pushing Willow for, mm-hmm. you know, any sort of physical element to their relationship, even though that's very much what she wants. Right. And he's I mean, he's so sweet and kind Oz when he when he has discovered that he's a werewolf and he comes into the library and there the scoobies are all there oh, and yeah. he's like mm-hmm. he is so apologetic and he's so afraid and oh you know was anybody hurt and he's mm-hmm. just the sweetest guy who is also you know 3 days out of the month this like killing machine i mean we yeah. hear i think it's from giles that the werewolf is just all instinct and and mm-hmm. you know predatory you know, he's just a predator. He's just right. out for blood. So I almost have the sense that they were trying to do some sort of parallel between Oz, the nice guy who is this evil monster three nights out of the month, mm-hmm. and Larry, the predatory monster who's not really a predator. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just not, it's not quite there for me. I do yeah. love I I love the misunderstanding. I love Xander. I okay, it's super problematic. Xander acknowledging that he remembers what it was like yes. to be a hyena because of uh, course what Xander did when he was a hyena was yeah. dreadful. I mean, yeah. he sexually assaults Buffy as a hyena yeah. and she I mean, she calls him on it. She says, "You said you didn't remember anything about that." I know, and I love the way he responds to that. He goes, I said I didn't remember anything about, about that. that. Yeah. <laughs> but then we've got this, like, he's so he's so funny, like trying to channel the werewolf. Yeah. In that in that moment. And I'm just I we we have some very interesting Xander. And we really go like I feel very much on an emotional roller coaster with Xander in this yes. episode. <laughs> and they it's, really it's tough. Mm-hmm. But the but the whole gay subplot with Larry really seems like an excuse to do this misunderstanding yeah. with Xander and they it I, I'm not I'm not sure it works 
thematically. I think thematically. I think overall thematically we're missing our points, you know, because yeah. it's a lot of different like kind of messages going on and not, of, not a lot of it makes sense. Um, but in the like moment to moment execution of it, I think it's really good. Like the moment to moment work in this episode, with the exception of Kane, oh, who is... Like, I understand that they, they've got this guy, you know, and he is just like the absolute worst of everything that men can be. Uh, the way that he talks to Buffy, the way that he talks to Giles, like uh, he's killing all of these werewolves and doesn't care the fact that they're human, you know, the rest of the month, um, you know, all this stuff. He's just truly, truly terrible. And so it feels like he is also a commentary on the the nature of men, that men are just animals. But we're also addressing, you know, we talk about the werewolf that they need, um, they go after sexual energy, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not a sexual thing that they're pursuing. They're just ripping people to shreds and apparently eating the fresh meat or whatever, you know? Um, so, so that's a little bit weird you know that we make that link between sexual activity and what it is that draws the werewolf in but the werewolf in itself is not a sexual discussion that we're having you yeah. know it's just this animalistic part of you know of what we associate with men even though it is clearly stated giles makes a point of saying can be a man can be a woman you know it can be yeah. either can um, be, and that it's can not be anyone who is bitten by a werewolf which i i am taking i know that what they're doing is they're saying that this could be a child, which is foreshadowing, of course, yes. you know, Oz's, mm -hmm. Oz's little cousin. But I'm like, is this acknowledgement of non-binary gender in 1998? Uh, no. Maybe. It's, it's not. But I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I got very excited when Giles yeah. said it could be a man or a woman or anyone who has been bitten by a werewolf. Uh -huh. So, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's not, you know, we know that the, the werewolf is not a a gendered thing i mean yes. despite the name being it's not from the german man wolf, mm -hmm. wolf. yeah mm -hmm. um yeah it's not it's not a gendered thing and it's not a sexual thing and they didn't really do the sex and violence connection that mm -hmm. is possible if that's you know if the werewolf is attracted to sexual energy then then there's a connection between sex and violence or there's a mm -hmm. connection between um, engaging in sexual activity and being a victim, which, of course, is something that we see in horror all the yeah. time. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not really there. It's much more about it's much more about Willow is ready to get it on with Oz and right. Oz is, you know very Oz about and it. Oz is, is being chill and being, you know, a gentleman about everything. And we see Oz, of course, displaying all of that, like, you know, best behavior. Like, you know, Larry in the beginning is a jerk. And he's like, yeah, I see you've really mastered that single entendre. And he's yeah. taking Larry down without... Without being overly aggressive, overly like, I'm going to stand up to this big guy who's literally twice my size, you know, yeah. um, Oz is just cool. He just states what he sees and he puts it out there, but it's not his responsibility to like, you know, fix Larry or like, you know, show Larry up or, you know, um, stand up to him. He just acknowledges, yeah, you're, you're being a little bit of a dick and I'm just going to point it out here, but we're cool. You know, yeah. it's cool. Um, he's he's really taking his time with Willow. You know, it was just last week that Willow was trying to get back at Xander and he recognized that and said, you know, I want when I'm kissing you, I want you to be kissing me. And he 
he's so giving good. her that time and space to get to that place, um, which I think is really, really nice. And I also like that in the end, it is Willow who kisses him. Yes. You know, so she is kissing him. She is choosing him and she has shown him that, which I think is really, really nice. Um, but, you know, for for Oz, he's he is this kind of like extraordinary example of real masculinity. There is nothing about him that makes him less masculine because he is, um, you know, not you know, preying on women because he's not treating women with disrespect. Um, you know, all of that. So he gently tucks uh, Willow's tag in for her during the scene in the gym, which is very that. sweet and caring and nurturing, which is something that we typically don't allow men to be, you know, mm-hmm. um, culturally, I think we're getting to a better place with that. Um, but it's, it's interesting how, you know, this is the guy who ends up becoming, you know, this, this brutal animal. Um, but thematically, yeah, I think it's kind of missing, like really nailing down that theme. And it's sort of just throwing in a bunch of elements that seem sort of related. Kane doesn't really, um, you know, help that situation at all. Um, You know, but we also have Xander and Giles. And I think we get some really fantastic Giles in this episode because he is adorable. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I love everything Giles I love when there is Kane this huge guy with a gun you know hunting werewolves and he says something about Buffy and Giles like that is it I am taking this man out you know and Buffy has to stop him it's adorable my favorite one of my favorite Giles reactions is when Kane says that he looks like he's auditioning to be a librarian and the look on Giles's face like his <laughs> outrage at being told he looks like he's auditioning his expression right. is 100 percent. i have i already have the part thank you very much <laughs> like he's right. so missed it's so great um and i love i love his delight at realizing that this is a werewolf and he's like yes. one of the classics <laughs> he just like <laughs> runs off to be with his books I know. Makes me so happy. I love. I love his little car, the little oh Citron. God. Oh my it god! It is so. It is so adorable. And that car <laughs> looks like when it's coming down the alley before they go into the bronze. It looks like it's being pushed. But and actually, there are some outtakes from other episodes in which that that car is literally being pushed by people coming. Oh my down. god! Because <laughs> I think it didn't actually run. <laughs> I love it. It is my favorite thing. I love it. Um, I love when he calls Kane a pillock. There's yes. something about him using these these very British, you know, um, terms that that always cracks me up. Uh, and th- but there was this weird moment. I don't know if you noticed this, but when uh, Xander makes the joke about the moon pie, and Giles cracks he up in delight. It. Yeah, wasn't I, a great joke. I don't understand. I don't understand why. Giles would I don't know I don't know I mean Uh, Xander every time Xander jokes and and a lot of times they're much much better jokes than that one and Giles always rolls his eyes and says well now let's get back to the point you know and like for some reason they have this just weird um you know moment that's just giggling like a child at this joke and it is so not Giles I mean it's adorable to see Anthony Stewart had do anything you know so I mean he's it's always adorable but it was just such a weird moment and I was like is there something I'm not getting about why that's funny yeah if you're not if there's something else there I'm not getting it either is it a it's not that it's something 
in British English that's not in American. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I have I, no idea. I felt like I was missing something there. I felt like that was a oh. joke for <laughs> someone and not me. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Giles, I mean, Giles being ready to beat the shit out of Kane for suggesting that he's having sex with Buffy is yeah. so fantastic. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean, it's like, what is, Kane is such a weird character and he's clearly there as like a counterpoint to Giles yeah. and Buffy, but not really. Like he's just there to be big and gross and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And to, and to, I think, present a threat, like a real serious threat to, um, to Oz. But yes. he's he's so weird. He almost feels like, as a character, he feels like he was transplanted from some other universe. I feel like he was meant for an episode of The X-Files. <laughs> and then he ended up here. Because he's presented as kind of like this, he's supposed to be this big antagonist, but he's really kind of not, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and he brings in that, uh, you know, hyper-toxic masculinity. I mean, he's basically toxic masculinity boiled down to its essence and served as a consummate like yeah. he's just everything you know and it is so overwhelming it's axe body spray of characters <laughs> like it's just too much you know and so i don't understand him and his purpose in this episode aside from providing that little thing and then buffy of course shows him up at the end she bends his gun and says get out and the gun of course as a penis metaphor not lost on me yeah that buffy breaks his penis hands it back to him and says get the hell out of town <laughs> you know and then he's just like okay and he just yeah. away. but like, presumably guy, he's gonna go continue yeah. to shoot werewolves elsewhere or right. hunt elephants for their ivory I mean, yeah. Ugh. Like if we needed Ugh. to make him grosser, you know, right. and after all of his grossness with Buffy and, you mm-hmm. know, Giles and what is it? Get the fruit while it's fresh. fresh. Oh, yeah. I can't. Ugh. I like God. it's. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I almost wanted there to be, I, I almost wanted there to be more of like a kick to the groin moment with Buffy and Kane. But there's yeah. not. I don't know. But I yeah. do like. I like that, you know, he's he is strutting around with his big gun and oh, I'm the only one man enough to kill a werewolf and all these mm-hmm. things. And she just quietly bends his gun and hands it back to him as opposed to I mean, because she could beat him to a pulp, but she yeah. chooses not to. It's more effective with him. Well, it's more effective to break his penis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, there you go. To break his big metal penis. Uh huh. Um, so, yes. yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's just like it, it just doesn't coalesce. We have all of these things that are so close to coming together and making like a really interesting statement. But we kind of like it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't come together. Uh, what we do get, though, is really, really fun. Willow. <laughs> I, I love Willow. Willow this episode. <laughs> I love Willow. Yeah. Although, you know, we really even great. have some toxicity in Willow in this episode. Yeah. Um, the way she takes out her frustration with Oz and her frustration with Xander on Cordelia mm-hmm. to Buffy. You know, 1 800, yes. I'm dating a skanky hoe. I'm like, oh, Willow, no, no. Right. 
But then later in the bronze, oh my she's God. sitting with Cordelia. She is, you know, commiserating with Cordelia. She is empathizing. They're together, you know, slamming Xander and talking about what a jerk Xander is. <laughs> she is also confiding with her vulnerability in yeah. Cordelia. Yeah. Like they are really bonding in that moment. And it seems really kind of out of step with this Cordelia hate that Willow you know, exhibits in the beginning with Buffy. And it, and it seems more consistent with who Willow is. Like, she's not happy that Xander is with Cordelia, you know. Um, but at the same time, like, she's she's interested in Oz. She's moving on. You know, yeah. it's all it's all just a little bit a little bit weird. And it doesn't really feel like Willow in that scene with Buffy. But the Willow that we get, you know, talking with Cordelia and bonding with her at the bronze, I think is really nice. I like that Willow. I really love that scene. I love <laughs> the interaction between the two of them. I love how open they are with each other, yeah. that they're not, you know, the uh, this other girl is not your enemy just because there may be feelings for the same person. I think that's fantastic. And I wonder if that Willow at the beginning is maybe trying on that kind of Mm -hmm. toxic girl hate behavior, because she also says, I don't want to be the only girl in school without a real boyfriend, which of course then, you know, is hurtful to Buffy. But that feels out of step with Willow also, because just a couple of weeks ago, Willow, you know, she was sad to not be noticed, but she also was like, I am happy helping Giles do research in the library. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, that felt like such a weird bit of characterization for Willow. Well, it does. And then when Buffy is telling Willow to be direct with Oz, Mm -hmm. Willow says, well, that won't make me a slut. And that also feels like something that Willow would not have any time for. Yeah. Now, I I wish they had played that differently. I wish (laughs) that they had played that like a joke, like a sort of eye-rolly, oh, we both know that it's totally fine for a girl to make the first move, but society... Like, like Willow's Willow's line about you're supposed to be a meek little girly girl like the rest of us. I didn't Mm -hmm. love the performance there. I really would have liked a little bit more of sort of a wink, wink and acknowledgement that like, we know that society Mm -hmm. expects us to be that. Basically, I want them to be, (laughs) I want them to be more thoughtful and more um, aware of gender roles in society than they are. But of course they are high school juniors high school juniors in the 90s in 1998 so you know there's that there's that That i'm definitely watching through my you know yeah i'm i'm watching through my post high school you know 2018 lens and sometimes (laughs) sometimes it gets at the time though this idea that like if willow makes a move or whatever that suddenly she's a slut you know, or that, or that people will yeah. perceive her as a slut, and that that would be a justified perception is kind of you know the the implication that she makes in that line. You yeah, know? Um, and in yeah. that in and the idea that any sort of choice, active choice to engage in sexual behavior on the part of someone who is female, 
yeah. makes her like again there's no there's no middle ground it's either yeah. you're a good girl as cordelia says in that wonderful <laughs> scene at the beginning or you're a skanky hoe there's no right. there's no middle ground there's no in between so any any sexual aggression on the part of a girl even if it's, it's just not even aggression yeah, not... any any like acknowledgement that you have a a sexual desire at all is yeah. you know that's it and yet at the same time you're supposed to be willing and open and available for any you know sexual attention that a boy will will pay to you and the boy has to do it Mm-hmm. You know, the the like the gaming involved in that is is really disturbing. And, you know, clearly like very much what the, the culture, the message that the culture has sent, mm-hmm. you know, for the for the vast majority of our existence, you know. <laughs> um, so it is it is a little bit a little bit tough. Um, we do have that kind of implicit acceptance of this not just being the way things are, but that this being the right and correct way, mm-hmm. you know, that that it's not just a like an acceptance of, oh, God, this is what we have to deal with. But yes, that will make me a slut, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, I mean, that's like uh, that's a little rough, you know, um, Cordelia's line at the beginning about, you know, things I can't tell my father about <laughs> this kind of stuff. I thought was very cute. But also, again, like more of that. You know, she cannot have any. And meanwhile, we've got the boys who are being aggressively sexual and sexualizing all of the women around them, you know, in Mm -hmm. every possible way. Um, And that being somehow, you know, not necessarily presented as okay. I mean, we're clearly supposed to see Larry as just a disgusting, Mm -hmm. you know, human, but that that is also how it be. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, and that acceptance of that is um, and the idea that men are just beasts, you know, with absolutely no control over themselves or their behavior or, you know, and but yet in Oz, we directly flout that idea. And then, of course, make him a monster on the like he is condensed toxic masculinity for three days a month. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's 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 again, it's weird. It doesn't really weird. match up. Like we were so close to getting those themes down <laughs> and yet we whiff them pretty much every time into this weird space that you're like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that's supposed to be. <laughs> we tried so hard. We tried mm-hmm. so, so hard to yeah. make this line up in a really meaningful way. And I don't know, maybe I'm just not seeing it. Maybe there's a... Uh, yeah, maybe I'm you just know, Maybe it, there's something there that I'm just totally missing. But... What remains, what is fascinating to me is the themes don't really work and there's some just just despicable male behavior. And I love this episode. I (laughs) love it. Like little, and partly I think it's that there are so many delightful small moments. Yeah. When Oz wakes up in the woods. Oh. Huh. <laughs> huh. so yeah. great so that is great such an oz way to respond to something like that and i love when he comes in the library and you know like discovers he's like everybody fine nobody got scratched nobody yeah. got bit and he's like okay and then he has this relief and then buffy tells him about Teresa. yeah and his first response is oh god i'm sorry yeah you know? and it's not and it's it's you know has a double meaning because he's sorry that this happened you know to their friend but mm-hmm. also i'm sorry I may have killed her. Yeah. You know, I, and that is is really heartbreaking. Yeah. Those moments of double meaning are yeah. just 
fantastic. Um, and it's actually something that kind of bothers me about the interaction between Larry and Xander. Mm-hmm. When so so Xander is certain that Larry yes. is the is the I almost said vampire. Huh. <laughs> Xander Xander is certain that Larry is the werewolf, and he says something about knowing what Larry has been doing at night and Larry doesn't react like that's a weird thing. And it makes me wonder, like, is there a gay bronze somewhere? Right. Like, is there, like how? <laughs> and then Xander says, Larry, please, before someone else gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And Larry doesn't act like that's a weird thing to say either. Yeah. And I mean, we know what Xander is talking about here, but what does Larry think Xander is talking about? Right. That's the bit that just kind of like a little bit of a stretch there is there something i don't know i felt like i felt like maybe i was i was missing something or like yeah well the best misunderstandings come from something that like in the conversation it can clearly be read both ways you know completely that nothing would would set either side off of being like oh this is not quite right and so we kind of miss it there Mm -hmm. a little bit because that can't apply to both situations like nobody is being hurt by larry being in the closet except for larry and you know and if he says before somebody else gets hurt yeah you know like how is coming out of the closet gonna hurt people you know, or how is staying in the closet going to hurt anybody other than Larry? Like all of that doesn't really match up. But I mean, if you wanted to stretch it and talk about the way that systems of oppression hurt people because not just because it hurts to be oppressed, but because, um, you know, when Larry feels okay enough about who he is because he's been able to say it out loud, Mm -hmm. he doesn't take it out on everyone else. Like he doesn't, he's not, you know, putting his hurt on other people, but it's not a great, it's not a great line vis-a-vis that misunderstanding. It doesn't really sell that moment. A lot of other stuff in that, in that scene works really well, but that is kind of a a flat note. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we also get a little bit of Angelus in this because we want to make sure that he's still there. He leaves Teresa as a, uh, a message for Buffy. Oh man. You know, which is, which is really hard. And we don't have much of that. I mean, it's just a a tiny little side note to kind of keep it alive that, that, you know, we're still dealing with, the aftermath of of Angel turning to Angelus, you know, and bad boy. Um, but I also love man, okay, bad boy. Got another. Bad but I also boyfriend. love that they put eyeliner on him. Yes, because obviously men wearing eyeliner are totally evil. Yes, oh totally. <laughs> and he's got his little. Oh, he's so good. His little mm-hmm. flower that he's twirling yeah. when he's ah uh, when he's praying on Teresa. It's so evil and perfect because he doesn't have a mustache to twirl i guess he's got right, his little exactly he's got his little yellow flower that he's gonna crush yes, <laughs> oh exactly. and the way he says you know she's she's so delighted and relieved oh you know buffy and he's like yes, yes very well <laughs> it's like ah, <laughs> you are such a gross villain and jealous and i love it i, I love it i love it's it awesome. and i love i love his like monster off with us too what i know what but it's great i don't know but like he's i mean in that (laughs) moment you get the sense that oz is tougher than angelus yeah you know oz like he backs down from the werewolf yeah and then oz doesn't touch Teresa. yeah like there's nothing he doesn't do anything to Teresa. um 
So that's kind of interesting too, because he's he's not Oz. He's the werewolf. He Oz is not conscious in there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little weird too. It's very weird. It's very weird, but it's a delightful little moment. There are so many of those. Yeah. In yeah. the you know when Willow comes barging into Oz's house, and you're here all by yourself with chains and stuff. Why do you have chains and stuff? <laughs> Why do you have <laughs> chains and stuff? <laughs> like, she's so great all of the mixed signals you've been sending and she just is going i love when willow has had enough and she just goes off on people that is my favorite willow willow is willow is absolutely wonderful we got a little bit sidetracked talking about willow but i just i love her whole Mm -hmm. all of her in this episode when she gets um you know, you, when she's talking to Oz at the very beginning, they're talking about their date. They've been on a date mm-hmm. to the movies, yeah. and it's so sweet. And they're they're you know Ozing and willowing back and forth. You know, my time mm-hmm. was also of the good. <laughs> you know? and then, yes, and then Willow finally just gets so flustered and she can't anymore, and she says, "Oh, there, I have my friend, so I will go to her." <laughs> just <laughs> like I don't know how to do this. It's so it's great. Just. So fantastic. And then when she's she's confronting us, she's finally confronting him and she just can't get her words to make sense. And maybe it was better written down and uh, (laughs) just completely losing it because she's she's pushing herself to do this thing that's really, really hard for her to do. And I I feel for her in that but moment. she's just going with it like it is not at all taking away from her like enthusiasm she is in this moment she is gonna make her point she's gonna get it all out while she still has it you know she still has the ability to do it so it's really really super fun but of course talking about willow brings me into this week's what are you wearing oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i love the purple hat the purple hat is adorable. It is, I could completely knit that hat. All I have to do is study it for a little bit. I can completely knit it. But what's funny is though, is that it looks hand knit. Like it yeah. looks kind of a little messy in some places. And mm-hmm. I love her little knit hats. They just, every time I see it, I'm like, Ooh, I know how to knit. <laughs> I make well, and it hat. matches her sweater perfectly. Yes. It's like the same yes. chenille mm-hmm. yarn. I don't, I mean, I definitely wore matched chenille things. Yes. In the late 90s. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, huh, yes, yes, that rings very true for me. It's very, very, very true. And I love her little overalls, too. You know, she's going through this whole thing. She's trying to, like, you know, get Oz's attention. And she's talking about being a slut while she goes in wearing a sweater with overalls over it. And just giant It's just such overalls. a little girl. Giant yes, little yellow girl overalls. It's yeah. so great. It's so, so sweet. Mm-hmm. It's there's uh, Willow's fashion throughout second season, I think, gets really, really good. Yeah. No, I like it. She's very quirky. But I mean, in that opening scene with Buffy, she's wearing like a real short skirt. You know, like she's, you know. But she's wearing tights, too. So, you fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) That that was (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) All right. So for Arg the Patriarchy, I mean, basically everything Larry pre-transition. You know, uh, everything Kane. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Kane clearly is brought in to be as gross and patriarchal as possible, calling Buffy sweetheart and sis. And I mean, he literally says, 
you know, you're a girl and, you're a you know, girl, yeah. no one's man enough to do this. And this is what happens when you send a woman to do a man's job. Like he's yeah. he is so um, cliche in his patriarchal yeah. swagger that it's like it's eye rolly. Like it's not even it does. And it, it almost undercuts like because he's so over the top that it undercuts like the real damage that is done from these attitudes, which is usually done in this much more insidious, much quieter way. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have somebody who's that loud and horrible, you know, you're like, oh, well, that's the patriarchy. Right. That's the, like it's it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's in little things and it's in shadow Xander, mm-hmm. you know, but yet we only really acknowledge it when it's that when it's that you know completely out of out of line with everything when it's so hyperbolic that's the only time that we really look at it and say oh yeah it's bad but i mean if he had been a little bit less you know if they had dialed him down from like i don't know 85 to maybe 11 you know then (laughs) then you could work with that as something that still needs to be called out but isn't so blatant that he's you know that that anybody who isn't that bad is like oh well I must be fine right because I'm not like that right you know but people who do a lot of damage with other you know like more insidious quieter um you know modes of oppression be that you know racism or you know sexism or whatever Mm -hmm. you know um because it's it's those quieter kind of societally accepted um, you know, sort of gaslighty microaggressions that that add up to cause so much trouble, and yet which we will overlook completely and only point at this kind of behavior when it comes through something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like, I mean, it's, and this is something we see with Shadow Xander. It's really uncomfortable to look at the ways in which all of us have these mm-hmm. qualities. These really like because we're all we are all existing in the same system. So acknowledging Mm -hmm. that, you know, as women, we we are upholding our own oppression or, you know, Mm -hmm. as white people, we are upholding white supremacy as, you know, and on and on and on. And, you know, like Mm -hmm. when you think about um, even Oh, gosh, all kinds of sexism and transphobia within the LGBTQ community and these Mm -hmm. these ways in which we recreate systems of oppression and we participate in them by doing nothing. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's it's gross. It's very gross. And we have I mean, and we have that with Xander and his his gay panic, not so much about larry being gay but about being perceived as the gay. idea that anybody could perceive him as gay yeah you know being a really negative thing now i mean granted at that time you know being perceived as gay this is i think fairly close to when matthew shepherd was killed mm-hmm. right that was 1998 yeah right yeah um so it's it's in that time frame where being perceived as gay could get you killed and i mean let's not forget that can still happen. Yeah, today. that still happens. And it still does all know? the time. Um, 
So like, I understand to a certain degree that there is a, you know, a fear of that because, you know, being targeted in that way um, is something that did happen back then. But mostly it feels like a fear of like gay equals bad. And I don't want to be seen as gay because gay equals bad as opposed to, you know, I don't want to be seen as gay because I am not. It's not genuinely who I am. Not, mm-hmm. you know, not that it's a big deal, but, you know, um, like that kind of thing, I think. And this reads as, you know, just kind of a a basic you know rubber stamping of yes gay is bad Mm -hmm. you know although at the same time we have larry coming out as gay and as soon as he can do that he is the loveliest Mm -hmm. he is the sweetest and i just love him from that point forward. i mean but that is that is the patriarchal system you know we're talking about the patriarchy Mm -hmm. that is that is patriarchy at work that says that anything that is less than this one definition of masculinity which of course Mm -hmm. is heterosexual because yep. men are more than you know women women are right. less than so anything that is even kind of feminine aligned is less mm-hmm. than so being yeah. perceived as gay as a man is to be less than under yeah. the patriarchy and that's i mean and this is why all of this is connected and you can't <laughs> Right. You know, we can't really Pull talk on about one thread. They all come out. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, when Xander says he's so, so freaked out when Buffy says, so how'd it go with Larry? And he goes, what What do you mean by that? What What do you mean? Yeah. And she's like, how'd it go with Larry? Because, of course, she has right. no idea. Mm-hmm. She, has no, she has no idea. And Xander hasn't told anyone. But mm-hmm. Xander is so freaked out by right. the notion that he might be that that Larry believes that yeah. he is gay, that Xander is gay. Right. And he's just totally uncomfortable with the whole thing. But I do like that he doesn't out Larry. No. I like that he doesn't tell anybody. And I feel like that comes from a space of respecting Larry's, you know, um, empowerment to decide when and where people find out, you know. Um, and I also like at the end where where you know xander's like hey you know and larry's like i'm not gonna say anything yeah you know i'm not gonna like i i like that there's at least that sense of respect for somebody else's you know autonomy over when and where they make the decision about how they're going to come out Mm -hmm. and i think that that's really nice and respectful and i did like that from xander and i got the sense that that was part of you know why he didn't talk about it not just because he was very uncomfortable with this whole idea that somebody might think he was gay but that he was really being respectful of the fact that that's not his story to tell yeah yeah i hope i mean i hope so i have (laughs) i hope so i mean i don't read it that way but i hope i mean i would like (laughs) to be generous with xander um right I would I would very much like to be generous with Xander because when we get good Xander, we get really good Xander. But then we turn yeah. around and we get some really gross Xander with the whole, you know, Willow is with Oz now and Xander yeah. is like, oh, I, I'm just worried about her safety and, you know. His possessiveness and jealousy is gross because when she wanted him and he knew it. He didn't do anything. He didn't care. He wasn't. But now that she's with someone else, mm-hmm. you know, it's all he can talk about. All he can think about is Willow and Oz, Willow and Oz. And I'm like, his, he had that thing with Buffy too. Like that, that sense of possession and entitlement 
to Buffy. And I think he feels entitled to being the only one that Willow wants. Yeah. And, you know, and so that's a really gross side of Xander. And we also have this really weird moment that we don't do at any other time after uh, he's comforting Buffy in the funeral home yes. after Teresa attacks and says Angel sends his love. Yeah. Um, and Buffy's so upset. And then they have this moment where they pull apart and look up at each other. And then Buffy turns around and goes and he's like, yeah, my life isn't complicated. So so we throw in this moment of sexual tension between Xander and Buffy, which is not a storyline that we ever do anything with. I I don't think, and I may be wrong, but I don't think there's a moment through the rest of the run that has any hint of that, any hint of anything between Xander and Buffy. Um, so that, that felt like a really weird. weird moment for me. Super weird. But I love, I love the Xander that we get right before that moment. He's yes, comforting Buffy. Yes. Don't let him get he's to you. Telling her that he's this not the fault, same guy you knew. You, yeah. Oh, he's not the same guy. Oh, mean. my God. It's oh, like God. the best thing to say in that I moment, know. because what Angel has done, I mean, that's grisly. If we break it down, yeah. or what Angelus has done to torment Buffy. Oh, that's that is despicable. And that is some he's got some some serious vampire powers there. If he sires yeah. Teresa with this message for Buffy, like with yeah. <laughs> she's under strict orders to, when she see when she rises and she sees Buffy yes. to deliver this message. Like, oh, that's right. that. Uh, I don't I don't I, mean, I don't want to know how that, you know, angelus mind control siring nonsense works. But yuck. Um, yeah, I don't and then, know. And I also I like that Xander, too, has this powerful moment. I mean, he dusts her. Yeah, like he's the one who, like, when she says that to Buffy and throws Buffy off her game, you know, Xander steps in and dusts her, you know, really effectively, and it's a nice moment, I think, for Xander. That is his first uh, solo vampire staking. Yeah, I think so. The last time he staked a vampire was uh, Jesse, but it was by accident yeah. because he gets yeah, right. nudged. <laughs> Jesse got shoved into. Him. He gets nudged by a woman who's running away, which the, the know, symbolism of the that. The first time is always a little awkward. So great, yeah, you know, yeah. But then it's you, always you get the a hang awkward. of it after a while, right? Is <laughs> wonderful, but but mm-hmm. we do we get this great Xander where he's telling Buffy about you know all of the wonderful things that she's done to protect Sunnydale and. You know, he is really he's he is really lovely to her in that moment. And then Teresa rises and he stakes her and Buffy's upset and he says, don't let him get to you. It's just yeah, it's great. It's it is. It's really good Xander. And then they ruin it with that moment of sexual tension. Weird. That weird. What? What? I what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. And it has no place in the canon. It's not anything that we ever deal with. So, you know, whatever. Oh. But um, all right. So let's follow up Arc the Patriarchy with our girl power moment of the week. What do you have for that? I absolutely love Buffy's response to all of Xander's back and forth about, oh, Willow's not safe with Oz. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and if it were up to me. And Buffy says, Xander. It's not up to you. Mm-hmm. And we get that line over Willow approaching Oz. Yeah. In this way that I there's something about the line and something about the edit that makes me hopeful 
that this mm-hmm. really is a turning point for Xander and that yeah. Buffy putting it this way, you know, it's not up to you that he is going to think about that a little bit, maybe, mm-hmm. I hope. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I love, I love that she calls him on it in that mm-hmm. moment. It's not up yeah. to you. You don't get to decide yeah. for Willow what she's going to do with her romantic life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's very cool. I like that moment with Buffy. And I like that she sets Sandra down, you know, mm-hmm. and she's nice about it, which is sweet because I probably wouldn't be. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Noelle, what is your favorite part? I have so many favorite parts of this episode. <laughs> I have so many. It's ridiculous. I mean, any any episode... With Oz in it, I'm probably going to have, you know, 12 or 13 favorite parts. I it's love... It's always going to be Oz. Yeah. Love Oz calling Aunt Maureen. Is Jordy a werewolf? <laughs> uh-huh. And how long has that been going on? It's so funny. That is so yeah. good. And so Oz. Um, but I think my favorite part is the scene with the Scoobies assessing the damage on Cordelia's mm-hmm. father's... Sorry, Cordelia's daddy's car. Right. <laughs> I don't know. The word daddy is always gross to me. <laughs> it always it always squicks me out. I just don't don't use the word daddy. Nobody nobody should use the word daddy. <laughs> hey, if you have a daddy, it's fine. Not you, Lonnie, uh-huh. but you our audience. If you out there are a daddy or have a daddy, I support you. Just uh-huh. God. But if you are, if you are a um a, a high school junior talking about your actual father, <laughs> yeah. maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. so uh, Cordelia's daddy's car is yes. all has been torn up by this werewolf. I love that whole scene. I love the way Oz is assuring Willow that bunnies can take care of themselves. Yeah. Oh, I know. I love that Willow knows when the full moon is. Of course she does. She, we got that Wicca coming I out. I mean, man. she's she's yeah. got that witchcraft in her even before she's an out and yeah. proud witch. It's great. Mm-hmm. I love Xander interjecting, unless the werewolf was using last year's almanac. <laughs> that is a hysterical line. That is one mm-hmm. of the best lines in the episode. So <laughs> funny. So funny. I don't I I would love to know how that would how Xander thinks that would work. I mean, right. Obviously he's making a joke, right? But I, I know, but I yeah. love the idea that somehow that yeah. that would affect the werewolf having having a bad calendar. Yeah, would yeah you have the wrong calendar. The werewolf entirely, um, right. And I love I love 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 with my whole heart Giles being so delighted that it's a werewolf because it's one of the classics. Right. It's beautiful that scene that whole scene and then of course the nice little coda with Buffy saying he really needs to get a pet yes oh that is really cute Solani what's your favorite part um Willow busting into Oz's house and telling him you know this is it I don't care I'm just like she's had enough Willow is so quiet and everything and then she gets to a point she's like no and I love when she's pushed to that point, like every time we have an episode where Willow like dresses somebody down, I'm going to love it. It's always fantastic. <laughs> now get the hell out of my life. Exactly. I love, and you. I love Willow. 
<laughs> You're going to live forever. You don't have time for a cup of coffee. It's great. <laughs> so good. It's the best. I love that. All right, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Noel at Noel Aloud and use the hashtag #StillPretty. You can also visit the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on forum, and join in the fun. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord, where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the Chipperish patrons who just got their grown-up teeth and don't like to be tickled. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. You can also show your support by giving Still Pretty a great review on Apple Podcasts or by telling your friends about the show or by punching the girl you like on the arm and running back to your friends. Just kidding. Don't do that. We will be back next time with Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, the 16th episode of season two. Until then, Angel senses love. Love.